Welcome to Let Him In. The purpose of this podcast is to remind us all that God has gifted every person with talents and abilities. He wants you to use your giftedness in every part of life, in your hobbies, your relationships, and your work. And when the world notices, give the glory to Him. God wants you to find joy in every part of life. And speaking of joy, I'm visiting with Lori Bianco, Mayor of Dal Worthington Gardens, Texas. Mayor Bianco is a dynamic presence in our community and brings laughter and fun wherever she goes. Lori, tell us a little bit about you. Okay, so I am a Carolina girl by birthright but I need one of those stickers on my car that says I wasn't born here, but got here as fast as I could (laughs) because I absolutely have found my home in Texas and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in the world. Um, I grew up always wanting to be a teacher. I come from a long line of teachers and that was my mission. So I went to Appalachian State University in North Carolina And after I finished college, uh, I started working in Richmond County, where I grew up, teaching third grade. I went back to school and taught full-time, working on my master's, and then almost finished my PhD when a wonderful opportunity presented itself. Um, When I was in graduate school, one of my professors um, offered us the opportunity to go to Europe, and I had never traveled to Europe. Uh, and I fell in love with it. And I said to myself, I'm gonna come back here and teach one day. And so I pursued trying to get a job at an international school um, with all of my heart and all of my soul. I applied to every school in Europe. And when I went for the interviews, I was thinking, who wouldn't wanna hire me? And I found (laughs) out no one did because I had no international experience. But I persevere. And so I made up my mind that I was going to continue pursuing this dream that I had. So the next year, once again, I applied to every school in Europe. And right before the teaching uh, fair came up, uh, the headmaster from the school at the American International School in Genoa called uh, my school in North Carolina and said, um, would you if you haven't already accepted a teaching position, would you be interested? And I said, absolutely. And he said, no, 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 go home and talk it over with your family and then get back to me. So I said, I will call you at eight o'clock on Friday morning and tell you yes. (laughs) Friday morning at eight o'clock came and I only realized that eight o'clock in Italy was 2 a.m. in North Carolina. So I worked the frogs and the horses and the goats out of my voice and I called him and told him, yes, sir, Mr. Persky, I'm coming to Italy. And as I hung up the phone, I burst into tears because I realized I don't know anybody. I don't speak the language. Uh, and I'm going to be abandoning everything that I have known in my comfort zone for 27 years. Mm. So for the next eight months, I cried my way through it. And in September, I left for probably the greatest adventure of my life. Um, I taught at third grade at the American International School in Genoa. And after my fourth year there, uh, during Thanksgiving, I had gone to see my friend who lived in Naples. And on the way back, uh, she dropped me off at the airport and I waited and I waited and I waited for the plane. And 
it was delay after delay and somehow or other I talked this woman into upgrading me to business class and getting one of those nice seats where I could punch all the buttons and um, I carefully put my luggage away and then I heard someone say in Italian please gather your belongings and deboard the plane so um, I thought surely I didn't hear this correctly but everybody else was grabbing their goods and the Italians, especially the ones from Naples, are very passionate, so they were waving their hands and screaming, and I was trying to figure out how in the world am I going to get back to Genoa tomorrow, and I saw a gen one gentleman that was quite calm, and I approached him, and I said, are you from here, or are you from Genoa? And he said, no, I'm from here, but I'm going to apply for a residency position in Genoa, and I said, okay. Uh, you and I are going to help each other out. So if you help me get out of here, I'm going to help you when we get to Genoa. And we ended up taking a bus to Rome and a flight back with the Sampdoria soccer players arriving in Genoa at 2 a.m. And I helped him find his friend's house and he said, you've been so kind to me, let me take you out to dinner tomorrow night. And I said, well, that would be lovely. <laughs> so um, we made our plans. And the next day when I was at school teaching and wanted to sleep while I was listening to those sweet babies read, mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, I can't do dinner tonight. Mm -hmm. So at four o'clock that afternoon, he called and he said, I'm so sorry, we're gonna have to cancel dinner. My friend has been called in uh, to the hospital for an emergency. There was a wreck on the autostrada. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm gonna wish you the best of luck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you get back up to Genoa, give me a call and we can celebrate your uh, residency position at San Martino Hospital. And I went to close my eyes for a little nap and the phone rang again. And he said, dinner is back on, the patient died. <laughs> so, so we went to a little pizzeria called Halloween with his friend. Mm -hmm. And um, his friend ended up being my future husband. And uh, so they came over and I fixed them real Mexican food. Mm. The Taco Bell mix that I had smuggled back in my suitcase <laughs> when I came back after Christmas. And they had some um, old El Paso beans and uh, they just thought it was the greatest thing ever. Mm. But one thing led to another and I began uh, dating my husband. And that was definitely God's hand in that whole situation because for the circumstances to uh, come together the way they did, it couldn't be anything other than God sending one of the greatest blessings I've ever had into my life, mm. and that's my husband, Dino. Mm. Um, several years later, we decided to come back to this side of the pond, and I got a job teaching in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, while he did a residency to learn how to remove brain tumors endoscopically through the nose so that they, patients did not have to have an incision. So we were there for a year and we got married. We were planning to get married in, in uh, North Carolina in the summer of 2000. But we found out that um, as circumstances were, his training would not be honored in the United States. So he had to repeat all seven years of his residency. Mm, so um, we applied to every single um, residency program in the United States 
and he was accepted at Wake Forest. But if he didn't have his green card at that time, then he would have to go back to Italy for two years because of the visa restrictions. So we got married and didn't tell anybody except my parents um, in the church where I was teaching in Pittsburgh. Well, he was raised Catholic, I was raised Methodist, and in order to get him out of sin, we had to get married again in the Catholic <laughs> Church. So we got married in the Catholic Church again in May of 2000, and then I wanted to walk down the aisle with my daddy in my own church in North Carolina, so we got married a third time in August of 2000 when his family could join us. So by the time we got to the third marriage, honey, this was blessed, and I was kicking my <laughs> shoes off enjoying it. Um, so you have been married three times. I have been married to the same times, man. To the same man without divorcing. Um, but Dino's job led us to Texas and Texas is by far the best place to live in the United States because we have true patriots and here everybody loves Jesus mm -hmm. and he is number one. It truly defines what the Bible Belt is. The Bible Belt, the Bible Britches, the Bible Boots, the whole outfit. Yes. Um, and so I'm so thankful to live in a place you know, where church is important, where family is important, and the values and the kindness that Texans show, they supersede anywhere else in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, as you're talking, I'm thinking uh, Italy is a long way from Texas. Teaching is a long way from a political career. And so tell us how you became uh, gifted as a teacher and how you incorporated being mayor of Dalworthington Gardens. Okay, the teaching aspect gave me an opportunity to hopefully speak Jesus into kids mm. um, without shoving a Bible in their face. <clears throat> I always want to be looked at as the person that shows you how much I love you. Mm. And I, I couldn't go back into teaching now because when I taught, Kids would sit in my lap or they would play with my hair. Now I would probably end up in the jail cell, you know, for doing that because in many ways we've lost that art. Mm -hmm. um, but when, before I became mayor, I went and talked to Sheriff Wayburn, who is one of my favorite people in the whole world. And Sheriff Wayburn not only encouraged me, but told me, Laurie, if you can handle those kids in that classroom, managing a city, it's, you've got this under your belt. I would agree. <laughs> so, um, hopefully, through my work, I hope that people will see Jesus in me. Um, he's the first guy that we invite to the meeting. And um, every time that we have a council meeting, I usually have the honor of doing the invocation. And I always ask Jesus to bless each and every citizen, each and every person that works at City Hall, put his hand on the shoulder of every single officer that we have. And by the way, Dale Worthington Gardens has the very best Department of Public Safety <laughs> with the most superior chief, Greg Petty, uh, at the helm. And they bless me. They bless our city every single day. And before I became mayor, and as mayor, I drive the streets of our city uh, in the evening, sometimes with Emily, sometimes alone, sometimes with my four-legged baby, Seuss, 
And I pray over each house that God will bless those people, that he will protect us, that he will keep our city out of harm's way and help us to prosper by bringing in those businesses that reflect him. And we are always in pursuit of businesses that fit in with the culture of our community. Mm. And God has truly, truly blessed us with great business owners, with great citizens, and the folks that work at our city hall, I cannot say enough good things about them. I wish I could say, man, I'm a fabulous mayor, but you know what? It's those people that are there every day. It's not me. They give good advice. Um, they, We all mutually share the same goal, and that is to make our city be the best that it can be. And uh, for everybody to prosper and to be safe and healthy and I thank God every day for all the blessings that He's given me. Mm. I, I love the genuineness of what you're saying and more than anything of what you're doing here. And, and it shows in our community. Oh, I wish that it did, but you know what? I never saw this coming, mm. ever. I taught school, that's what I identified as, as a mama, as a wife, as a teacher. <clears throat> And back in um, 2017, our city offered a class called the Citizens Public Safety Academy. Mm -hmm. And it teaches folks about all aspects of our DPS because all of our officers are tri-certified. They are all EMS, uh, police, and fire. Mm -hmm. And you just don't find that anywhere. Right. And it, it was a program designed to educate you know, citizens about what they do. So um, there were 18 sweet gentlemen and two ladies in this class, and we had to elect officers. And um, nobody was volunteering, so I stepped up to the plate and I said, okay, y'all, I'm gonna be the president, and my friend Tracy here is gonna be the vice president, and we're gonna get this <laughs> operation going. Someone has to take the leadership yep. role. <laughs> so I did, and that's how I got started in the city and at that time my friend Kimberly Fitzpatrick who is now Judge Fitzpatrick right. she was the mayor at the time and eventually she decided that she was going to run for a judge's position and so I called her and I said what can I do to help you and she said I either want you to uh, run for city council if I can still be mayor, or if I can't be mayor, I want you to run for mayor. And I said, I'm not smart like that. And she said, yeah, you can do this. And the summer prior to that, I had had folks approach me about running for city council, and I thought, I just, I don't have the smarts to do that. And I have the willingness, mm -hmm and the love for it, but am I the best person to do that? And I questioned myself multiple times and God sent several signs and I would say every time, God, are you sending me a sign? Send me a stronger one. And each time it was, is this your sign? And finally the morning of the Red Kettle Challenge for Salvation Army, mm -hmm. um, Judge Fitzpatrick called me and she said, I'm telling you now, you're going to be our next mayor. And I said, God, that's my sign. 
So then I started praying, please, Lord, don't let anybody run against me because I'm not good at competition. <laughs> so I consider myself the self-appointed mayor. Okay. I didn't have any competition, and I'm so grateful for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's how I ended up with this. Mm -hmm. You know, so often people who are Christians and people who are considering accepting Christ as Savior and Lord believe that when we become Christians, we experience the abundant life, and we do. But a lot of people think that that comes with, um, you know, fame. People believe that that comes with wealth. And a lot of people think that that comes with no adversity at all in life. So Sister, tell me, yes. Oh my gosh. So tell oh us a little gosh. bit about how adversity okay. has shaped your life. Uh, prior to becoming mayor, first of all, uh, to be a mayor or to serve on city council is a servant's job. And to do that, we have to be humble and understand what we can bring to the table and be willing to share those gifts and talents and everything else to serve the folks in our community. But in order to be a good leader, in my opinion, um, you have to look at where you came from and where you want to go. Mm. And Jesus definitely uh, gave me many opportunities to try and shape my character. And one of those was a very personal one. Um, I didn't get married until I was 35. And so that's a late start to begin with for most people. And Dino and I didn't even think about starting to have a family until I was 38. So um, I got pregnant and I had a perfect pregnancy and um, I got to 39 weeks and went to the doctor and they asked about the baby moving. And I said, well, you know, you don't really know about these things unless you've been pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I just, I don't know. I guess he's doing okay. And uh, they did some tests and decided to induce labor. And when my precious baby Frank was born, he had uh, an issue with his kidneys. And it was devastating because I was, at that time, I had just turned 39. And uh, it is something that will render you speechless. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you ask yourself, why did this happen? Um, and at the end of my maternity leave, I went back to school and one of the cafeteria workers there um, who had um, some, some kids who were struggling on their own approached me in the parking lot as I got out of the car and she said, Hey, Miss Bianco, how you doing? And I said, I'm wonderful. How are you? And I went to hug her neck and she said, guess what? And I said, what? She said, I'm pregnant. And I looked, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but I'm a sinner. And I thought to myself, God, how can you give her three kids mm -hmm. that she can't take care of? Mm -hmm. And Dino and I have begged for this baby, and we're capable of giving it a wonderful home and providing a great life for it. And Jesus said, not now. Mm -hmm. He said, you got some things to learn, sister. Mm. And I stepped back and I looked and I analyzed and I begged him to forgive me for having such selfish thoughts of why not me? Mm -hmm. 
Who am I in the whole scope of things to ask this question? And Jesus taught me compassion and he opened up that door of opportunity so that I could share with other people what loss, what the loss of a baby is and uh, share his love and how he brought us through this and how, you know, I read a book called when um, bad things happen to good people. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure if I quoted the name of the book correctly, you did. but um, it was such an inspiring book and I took so much away from that and tried to apply it and take what was a very adverse, hurtful situation and turn it into good mm -hmm. to serve Jesus. And thankfully he's, he's put several people in our paths that we've been able to witness to mm -hmm. and let them know that God didn't say no. He didn't turn his back on you when he did this. Mm -hmm. He's giving you another opportunity to share his love mm -hmm. with others. Mm -hmm. um, another situation that happened um, most people would think was an absolutely horrific experience but for me I thank God every day that it happened back uh, about eight years ago Emily and I were in the car in North Arlington and we had been to Whole Foods and we were sitting there watching uh, the sunset and I saw two friends walking down the sidewalk and most of the time prior to this experience you know I would um, stop and give people money or a blanket or food or whatever they needed and there was just something in the pit of my stomach that said don't do this don't do this and I thought surely I didn't hear that voice and the voice said don't do it so I continued talking to Emily and the light was red and the next thing I know, something in my peripheral vision caught my eye. And I looked, and the gentleman who was walking down the street was now sitting behind me, and his lady friend was in the back seat of my car behind Emily. Oh my. And I panicked, mm -hmm. and I screamed, get out of my car. Mm -hmm. And they didn't move. And I said some things that I can't repeat at Fielder Church. <laughs> And they didn't move. And I said, I've got a gun. Get out of my car. Mm -hmm. They didn't move. And I pulled the gun. And I pointed it in the woman's face. And they jumped out of my car. Oh, my. And I sat there for a minute. And the light turned green. And I pulled off. Mm -hmm. And I looked at Emily. And I said, Emily, where's my purse? because I always put it behind the driver's seat so I don't get my feet tangled in the, mm -hmm. in the straps. And she said, Mama, it's gone. Mm. That purse had everything I owned in it. It had my driver's license. It had six, six flags passes, library cards, license, um, a CHL in it, credit mm -hmm. cards, everything that I owned, mm -hmm. plus money. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, Mama, it's not there. So I saw the people walking walking across the street. Mm -hmm. So I whipped that car around, made a U-turn, and chased those people down. And I told Emily, I said, get in the floorboard. Mm -hmm. And I rolled the window down and pointed the gun at the people again and said, give me my purse back. You stole my purse. Mm -hmm. 
because I'll give you the shirt off my back if you ask for right. it, but please don't take. Right. So I chased them down and held them at gunpoint in the parking lot of the little church down from Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. And um, as I pointed the gun at them, I said, don't move. And it actually worked. I couldn't believe they just stood there. And uh, we called 911, and um, it took them exactly five minutes to get there. And then we said, Mama, I think I saw them throw something down. So my eight-year-old ran back and got my wallet with everything in it, my car keys, um, and all, all of the contents except the purse itself mm -hmm. and my checkbook and a little beauty case. Mm -hmm. So she went and collected that while we were waiting on the police. The police came. Um, they arrested the lady, uh, took her off, and the gentleman was sitting there on the curb in, in handcuffs. And um, an ambulance arrived, and I thought, oh, they're coming to check on me and Emily to make sure we're okay. <laughs> No, ma'am, that is not what happened. They were coming to get the gentleman because he felt like he was having a heart attack. Mm. So they came to his rescue. Mm. But anyway, um, after that experience, I got in the car. And the Arlington Police Department, by the way, was wonderful. I have to give a, give a great shout out to them. Um, I drove to the parking lot of our church and I said, Dear Jesus, I humble myself before you and I thank you. I thank you for this experience. I'm going to ask you to wrap your arms around those two individuals that just got in the back of our car. Lord, please let this be a wake-up call to them. Please let them seek you and see your face in this. Please give them a safe place to spend the night. Give them food and help them get on the right path. Please bless my child and don't let this be traumatizing to her. Mm -hmm. Thank you for all the people that came to our rescue. Mm -hmm. Thank you for protecting us and sending angels to surround us. Mm -hmm. And Lord, please let me get that pocketbook back <laughs> because Dino gave it to me last Christmas. <laughs> so five days into this, I'm ironing clothes and the phone rings. And it is an officer from the Arlington PD. And they said, ma'am, um, we had someone that turned in your purse and your belongings, and um, we would like to return those to you. I got back everything unscathed. Oh my I got back, um, I got the name of the folks who turned in the purse, because there were lots of people sure. who saw this go down, but nobody came to the rescue. Mm. And I got their names, and I got them a gift card, and went to see them at their house and talked with them and told them about how Jesus had truly had his hand on this and had protected me and sent his angels, mm -hmm. you know, to surround me. Mm -hmm. And as we talked through that, I found out they didn't have a church home. Mm -hmm. So I invited them to go to Fielder mm -hmm. and they have found Jesus through oh this whole goodness. experience. And um, although the folks who, um, carjacked us, mm -hmm. took a plea bargain in the end. I got to tell them, you know, I don't think you're bad people. I think mm -hmm. you just made a bad choice. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to get the tools you need to make it right. Mm -hmm. Take what happened to you and go out in, into the world 
and make the world a better place. But before you do anything else, get your life in order with the big guy upstairs. Mm -hmm. Because without him, nothing's going to go in the right direction. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Wow. What a great story. What a great story. You know, as, as you were talking about that, I was thinking <clears throat> that God wants us to be servants. He wants us to have the attitude of servanthood in everything that we do. And what I heard you say is you took that attitude and you were a servant to those people that were returning what you had lost and um, just wanting to share his love with people. Okay, so, so let's go back for just a moment to your role as mayor. And servant leadership is a term that people use a lot. So how do you incorporate servant leadership when you are at the top of the helm in the city of Dalworthington Gardens. What, what does servant leadership mean to you and to your role here? Okay, first of all, I'm a low man on the totem pole. <laughs> I will tell you that. Um, I have been blessed with the best staff ever and with the best citizens ever. And to be a servant literally means to be willing to get down and wash feet just mm -hmm. like Jesus did. Mm -hmm. And I will do that. I will do whatever it takes to make sure that the folks in our community are served well. Um, being humble, is an, in my opinion, is an important part um, of that. Being a leader, a servant leader, means serving the staff, serving the people, serving fam your family, mm -hmm. because you do give up certain things with your own family Absolutely. when you choose to you know, engage in a role like that. Mm -hmm. um, but the good Lord has given all of us gifts, mm -hmm. and they're not all the same gifts, thankfully. And so what we try to do as leaders in the community, and I say we meaning our staff, because I could never do this if it was not for the city staff mm -hmm. and for our DPS. Mm -hmm. um, we collectively look at what we want to accomplish and we use our gifts and talents to put those together to try and make DWG the best place that it can be, to try to make it uh, be a, a very safe community to live in, um, and also to be prosperous. Um, I, I have to say, uh, I trust those folks that work at the city of DWG because they make good decisions, they give good advice, and we always make, want to make sure that the folks who live in this community get what they deserve in every way. And I am so humbled and so blessed to be able to do this. I'm very unworthy of it, but I thank God every day for the opportunity to be able to serve. Great. Anything else that you want the people listening to know about you or to know about your role in our community? You know what? Um, the one thing that I want to walk away, whether it's as mayor or as your friend or as a stranger, is that I want you to know that somebody in the community cares about you, is invested in you. Um, I lost an aunt to Alzheimer's. And it was a very difficult situation because I couldn't bear to see her. She wasn't the person that she was. So I, as a young girl, I didn't go see her faithfully. And when she passed away, I never forgave myself mm. for being so selfish not to go see her. Mm. 
And she didn't hear me say that last time, how much I loved her. So I made it my mission to make sure every time that I care about somebody, I make sure that I tell them that. And um, our public works director one time said to me, uh, I've had people come up to me and say, can you believe the mayor told me she loved me? <laughs> and he told them, he said, absolutely she does and she means it. Mm. And if somebody walks away, I want them to know that there is somebody that cares, that there is somebody who loves them. And I don't ever want to miss the opportunity to share that, or more importantly, to show that, because we don't know when our time's going to come to mm, an end. So true. And from one of our, one of Emily's nannies, Lauren Kenny, I learned something very valuable from Sweet Lauren, and that is that when I think about somebody, I will pick up the phone and call them. And I will say, hey, you're on my mind today. This is why you're important to me. I want you to know how much I love you. And that's why you're getting this phone call. Mm, that's great. That's great. I so appreciate the time that you've spent today. And I appreciate the message that you've given us. And if all of us, not just city leaders, not just teachers, but if all of us served our families and our community and the people we work with, with the love and compassion that you do, this would definitely be a better place. I'm not worthy of those words, but I will tell you, I thank the kind people of DWG for giving me this opportunity every single day, and I don't take it lightly. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Thanks for joining Mayor Lori Bianco and me today for Let Him In. We'll have new stories and new conversations every week with people who have let Jesus into their life and into their work. Share these with your friends, your family, and the people you work with. Let Him In is a ministry-supported effort funded by people like you. Our goal is to provide educational resources to underserved children through tutoring, parenting classes, vocational resources, and to provide skill sets to people who can take their job and use it as their ministry. If you'd like to support the work and ministries of Let Him In through a recurring monthly gift or a one-time gift, please see our podcast page where you'll find a link for Excel Learning, or you can go directly to excellearning.academy. Through your donation, a child will get the educational help they need. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new conversation next Thursday, but until then, find ways to let him in your life and your work.